Welcome to the bus stop. This is the official podcast of the National School Transportation Association. I am Kurt Mackison, Executive Director. I'm pleased to be joined on this special edition of the bus stop um, with Paul Oslin. He's president of First Student. They're the largest private school bus contractor in North America. So welcome to the bus stop, Paul. Well, thank you, Kurt. Delighted to be here. Great, and great to have you. Um, and we know that COVID-19 has been dominating the news and uh, it's had really a tremendous, uh, devastating impact on school bus contractors across the country. Can you give us a perspective uh, from where you see it uh, on what's going on in the field? What are we seeing around the country? Sure, Kurt. Well, first, obviously, it's having a huge effect on everybody. You know, it is amazing. I travel all the time. And, you know, there's just not an industry that's not touched by this, the restaurants, hotels, any sort of transportation. But, of course, any sort of transportation has been really hit. So we've seen for a couple of weeks now a continued shift towards shutdowns of schools. And we are, I think, in 36 states and six or seven provinces. So all across North America, we started seeing schools you know, start with one day closure for a cleaning, and then others um, start to move towards two week or three week announcements. And it became pretty clear, though, that this was going to get very widespread, and also that those closures were going to get extended. I mean, there's lots of experts out there, or self professed experts anyway, but generally speaking, a two or three week closure doesn't really do accomplish what I think people are trying the government's trying to get accomplished, which is to take the top of that bell curve and the, the pain and pressure on um, the healthcare industry off. And so it becomes pretty clear to us, and I'm sure others in the industry, that these closures are likely to be extended probably in many cases right through the end of the school year. And that's what we're seeing. We are over 90% shut down, um, still some schools running in Canada, but um, Pretty much over ninety percent shut down right now. Now, in in you know your experience, um, I'm sure this is unprecedented. How are you engaging at this point? You know, as the largest contractor in North America with your school districts, what what are you doing? Well, I think the big issue here and the challenge for the industry, and by the way, this doesn't matter whether you're big like us or whether you're running 40 buses or 200 or 100. This is just unprecedented and a real challenge because typically any contractor, you know, you work all year, you've got those breaks um, during Christmas where money does not come in over the holidays and Thanksgiving break. And then these last three months of the school year, um, is where you, you hope to make your profitability, and it's the heavy um, student charter time of the year as well, which is a source of profitability. And then that's what sets you up to start up the next year. So clearly, this is a big challenge because the revenue spigot is shutting off. Um, we all operate under contracts with our customers, and many of those contracts, in fact, virtually all of them are a bit unique but they're generally written by the contractors and hence it gives them some flexibility. So the challenge we all have and what our focus has been on is engaging with our customers um, to get secure from them continued funding and support since this is a long-term shutdown um, to help us be in a position to continue to pay our employees so that when this comes back, even if it's as late as the fall, 
we've still got employees um, that have not moved on to other jobs. Um, given the severe shortage that we all face on drivers, um, we want to make sure they're there to get these kids back to school whenever we get back. So much of our attention, Kurt, over the last two weeks, and will continue to be, is to, to work with our districts and and really help make those arguments that I think are quite compelling, that whether it contractually specifically requires it or not, that they should continue to pay um, the vendors. First off, we all bid our work based on a full school year. All these contracts are bid based on 180-day roughly school year. Uh, not seeing the funding cut out of any district, quite the opposite. When these governors are shutting down schools, they're saying there'll be no retraction in in uh, in funding. Um, and again, the, the funding's there. We've bid it that way, way. And then it's really the right thing to do. If, if a district is insourcing, they're paying all their employees, including drivers and mechanics, um, because they want them there when school starts back up. And so they, they need to do the same with us. So we've been out making that case um, with our customers to try and make sure um, we make that happen. So we're in a position to start up. And I, and I think others in our industry are doing the same and we're making some pretty good progress. Yeah, so from, from your standpoint, Paul, this is an equity issue that um, you know in-house should not be treated any differently than privately contracted. I think an equity issue is, is a good way of putting it. And I think even the, the arguments go beyond beyond equity. It's a necessary thing um, to, to preserve the industry. And so that when, when we get through this thing, kids can get to school. So equity is absolutely a good way of looking at it, Kurt, but beyond equity, no company, whether you're large or small, or even if you're like a private equity invested, that's got some debt on it. No company can go through three or four months of your heaviest time of the year without any revenue and, and pay the rent on the facility, pay for their insurance, might be paying their leases on their buses and, and be in a position then to, to restart service without some help from their customer. Yeah. And, you know, to kind of put a bow on that thought, um, you know, when we survey out, we estimate that, you know, private school bus contractors handle 38% or approximately 38% of those 26 million school children taking them to and from school each day. So, you know, to your point, this is an expansive problem, um, you know, that needs to be addressed. Yeah, our industry is huge. By ourselves, Kurt, we transport, we have 5 million student journeys a day on our buses, which is more than all of the airlines in the United States carrying passengers in any given day. So, And we are about one-fifth of that outsourced market. So that gives you some sense of scale, how, how, how much greater student transportation is than even the airline industry. And and. And it's a critical service. So it is. It's a huge scale. We have around 50,000 employees. So, again, if we're a, a, a roughly a fifth of the outsourced market, that means there's 250,000 employees roughly impacted by this business. And, again, the government has been pretty clear. They want to continue to fund their employees and people that are that are 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 dependent upon um, government and tax proceeds because there's enough people getting thrown on unemployment already just with all the restaurants and everything else that's going on. So it is, it's, it's a huge scale. It's something that people don't think about every day um, in their, in their normal lives, but um, student transportation is a huge industry and it's one under, under extreme duress because of this virus. Yeah. And 
so when we're talking about um, then advocating for a solution to this, you know, we at NSTA, we've come up with these two solutions. One is to continue getting payments from districts to private contractors. And then the other would be to jump into the, you know, the stimulus pool, if you will, um, of, you know, asking for money along with many, many, many other industries. Um, maybe you can talk to the listeners a little bit about that, why it just makes sense to go after the continuation of payments rather than to jump into a, a stimulus pool. Well, that's a good question, Kurt. And I, and I think the real key here is back to what we really need is just the, the, the payments to continue. Um, because these these school dates, unlike a weather day, it's very unlikely they're going to get made up in any sort of material way. Um, the, the same governors that have closed the schools have said they'll waive that 180-day requirement or whatever it is in the state. Um, teachers will get paid during this downtime, so districts won't have the money even if they wanted to extend the school year in a material way, I don't believe. Um, so so I, I, I think it, it just makes sense for the continuing payment to be the, the right solution. Um, none of us, you know, additional money to borrow from the federal government, which is generally when they talk about bailouts and stimulus, it's not gifts, it's oftentimes a loan. Well, a, a, a loan is not what's really desired here with a bunch of hooks to it. It, it the, the only reason there's a need for the loan is if the, the, the payments don't continue, which really, for all those reasons I talked about, ought to continue. Um, the budgets are there for them to, to continue. It was the basis of the bid to begin with for each of us when we when we bid that work. Um, and, and that's the most substantial and logical way. By the way, as we're out there pushing with our customers, I mean every every discussion's a little different, but we're having we're having a lot of success. And and I think the other folks in the industry are as well. Um, as we pushed, we've got about half of our customers already that have agreed um, to pay us, to continue to pay us. And in most cases, that is, you know, a very substantial, if not all, of what the payments that were due us. And, and I believe others in the industry um, are having some similar success. I think it's just all real important. We all, we're all pushing together. So there's, so there's a normal expectation of that. We've got many of our larger customers, many of our smarter, smaller customers have already committed to continuing to serve us because they know we're a key part of their communities. Yeah, and that's a that's a great point. Um, you know, I think in terms of pursuing an advocacy solution, it it is probably get the the uh, districts who aren't taking that same approach um, because you know each state is different. And I think the one thing that we find, you know, with uh, you know student transportation is that you know the state funding systems are all quite different, and that can cause difficulty when it comes to a national problem of this scope. Um, I no, think that's one I, of the challenges. Yeah, I think that's right, Kurt. And and so we've had part of the advocacy, um, I think we're all a part of, and NSTA has been helpful, is you do have to go fight it state by state. So I'll give you an example. In, in Illinois, um, the governor in the Illinois State Board of Education called ISBE put out a, a kind of a clear notice that said money's not going to get cut. 
Um, we're going to give the waiver on the 180 days, and you should continue to honor those contracts and, and pay those contracts to bus vendors. So wh- while we had already had a number of districts agreed to pay us, we had some others that were going back and forth. Not necessarily because it's a hesitancy. They're always concerned about the legality of it. And, and, you know, school districts are government agencies, so they have a lot of bureaucracy. But but when the when the government state government came out, then it helps knock down some of those that are still kind of humming and hawing. And and so we're having trying to duplicate that. Um, And as are others, I'm sure, in the industry on a state by state basis. And, and that that can be a big help. Um, our labor force can be a big help. I mean, obviously, there's different levels of unionization across the industry. But in some cases, some of the states, unions have a lot of influence. I think Illinois is one of those. I think the union was help instrumental in helping that. Again, that just depends on the state. But um, obviously, when there's organized labor involved, they have a very big stake in this as well. Yeah. Um, Paul, we're, we're running out of time. And the your insights have been great in terms of um, you know, putting this in perspective for, you know, our listeners out there, any closing thoughts you have about, um, you know, making it through these times and perhaps, you know, some other things that contractors might be aware of? Well, one thought I have, it's interesting. I find this whole experience obviously challenging, but very interesting. So we compete with each other, right? We're a private enterprise and folks like STA and National Express and Cook Illinois and smaller folks and first student all compete day to day. But here's a common problem that really gives us a good reason to pull together. And I've talked to probably seven or eight different leaders of firms and and our approach is it first off it's it's a nice it's a good to get to know those folks on terms other than fighting over a particular contract and to share ideas as to how we're going about this and who, what lobbyists might help or what approach we're taking to try and convince a district so if there's a silver lining this whole thing i think it's it's it helps create a focus on the need for the industry, the private industry to work together. Um, NSTA, the value of NSTA becomes quite clear in a crisis like this. Um, and, and the value of us working together as an industry becomes quite clear. And I hope once we get through this, that can continue as we try and push and get more districts to outsource. Because I don't know why a school district would want to do transportation themselves when there's experts like all the members of NSTA um, that can do it better. No, I really appreciate those thoughts, Paul, and, and uh, agree with you completely. Uh, for listeners out there, uh, Paul Oslin, president of First Student. Paul, thanks so much for joining us at the bus stop. Well, Kurt, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you very much.